0: We must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God.
1: Today, on Emerging day. Now, if you look up that word of tribulation, it's pressure.
0: And I believe what God, what's going on in these days right now, we're going through a lot of pressure. God is trying to form something in us. He's trying to form something in you, but it takes pressure. He says, listen, I'm travelling in birth till Christ is formed in you. How is it formed? By much pressure, by much pressure. We are His body. It's time we begin to look like Him. Let's begin to look like Him. But in order for us to look like Christ, we have to be formed into Christ. And until that happens, people, we need to quit worrying about Him coming down from the clouds. We need to begin to see Him in you and in me. That's what He's trying to do. His work ain't done. His work is not done, will not be done, until He has a people on this earth who looks like Him, acts like Him, talks like Him, walks like Him, does the works of Him. That's His purpose. That's the Alpha. That's the Omega. That's the beginning and the end of the plan of God. But we can't rule these things we see with our eyes until we learn how to rule this thing behind our eyes. We can't rule the things we walk on and the things we encounter in life until we begin to rule this body. The salvation of our soul is not talking about us getting saved and going to heaven. The salvation of our soul, I believe, is going to be the message of these days. It's what God is getting ready to pour out on His people to, to thirst and hunger for is for the salvation of souls. And what is that? My mind, my will, my emotions to be changed, to take on the mind of Christ. He's wanting to raise you up into a high, exalted place in Him. The glory is going to be revealed in us. His glory, His very nature, His very life, the power of God, the life of God. Everything that God is, is wanting to shine forth through you.
2: This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action.
1: Hey, thanks once again for listening to Emerging Daily. I'm Scott Fisher. Today we're going back in time once again to the early 2000s. And this is a message that I spoke at a church in Lebanon, Tennessee, at uh, Harvest Christian Tabernacle. And the name of the message is Through Much Pressure. Now, even though this was given back in the early 2000s, it will relate to where we are today. If you'll just listen to it, take the key points and apply them to your life. As I've said uh, many times, if you've ever heard me speak or teach or anything, if you don't apply it to where you are today in your life, it's not doing you any good. So take and listen to this message and, and allow it to spark something in you that will help you to emerge from love Here's Through Much Pressure on Emerging Daily.
0: Well, let's uh, go before the Lord in prayer, if you would. Father God, we just praise you tonight. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for what you're doing. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this nation. What you're doing in this state. Father, for what you're doing in this city, Father. you're raising up some people, Father God, that are going to go with you. They are going to follow you. They are going to press on in, Father God, and... Dig up the treasure that's hidden there, Father God, and even make it theirs and wear it proudly, Father God, as a treasure given to them by their Father. God, just help us tonight to understand that You have placed some great things within us, Father. Help us to draw those things out. Help us to look to You tonight. Open Your Word to us. Help us to be sensitive to Your Spirit. In Jesus' name, when we praise You and we thank You. Holy Spirit, You just take control. Help us to all to be teachable. In Jesus' name, yeah. All right. I really didn't know where which direction to go in tonight. I uh, had a lot of different things working on the inside of me. So I want to start out with a solemn note, and then we'll get to the good stuff. So if you would, turn to Acts chapter 14. I'll go ahead, and I'll have you to pick out two, two places. Acts chapter 14, verse 22, and after you find that, flip over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We'll start with the one in Acts, since I gave that to you first. So, Acts chapter 14. I really believe the Lord is doing some mighty things in these days. But, uh, one of the things He's doing is something that seems hard. And a lot of people, you don't hear much, many people talk about it. But there are some things that the people of God are going through right now. A preparation, if you will, for some things that are coming. But in uh, Acts chapter 14... I tell you what, we'll we'll look back a little bit. We'll start with verse nineteen. Uh, just to give you a little background here. Paul has just uh, healed a man, stirred up a lot of persecution because, for one thing, these people that he's ministering to they assumed that he was a god because he healed this guy, and so they said that uh, they said that Paul is Mercury. And they called Barnabas, who was Paul's partner in the ministry, they called him Jupiter, it says in verse 12. And so a lot of things are stirred up. And, and Paul tells them that, uh, that they're just men. He says in verse 15 of four, chapter 14, he says, We're also men of like passions with you, and preaching to you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God. And so they have been worshiping these false gods. If you took, any of you may have taken Latin in school, even if you didn't, if you took. A lot of the things in, in uh, English, you probably took some mythology. And so you know, you're familiar with a lot of the gods that they had. Um, they had Zeus, you know, and uh, all these different all these different gods. These people were worshipping these false gods. And uh, in verse 18, we'll find that it says, With these things, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice to them. So the people were fixing to offer sacrifice to Paul and the Barnabas. Now, first of all, I want you to take and put this in nowadays situation. What if you were to go over to the hospital and lay hands on somebody and they got healed? Would they not try to set you up on a pedestal and say, look at you? Now, many ministers have allowed themselves to be put up on a pedestal. Okay, I'm not preaching about that tonight, but it just came to my mind. I thought I'm not going to bring it out. Just because the Lord uses you, you don't allow people to worship you. The Lord wants to use everyone. He wants to use me and you in mighty ways. And and what He's fixing to do in these last days are, are going to be awesome. But he can only use this to the degree that we're willing to be humble. Because if he even sees that we're going to be lifted up with pride, he'll stop. He'll stop just right there. And I'll tell you something else. too. if we allow it to go on, because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So God can give you a gift. Okay? And Satan can use that gift. And if we get lifted up with pride, as Paul and Barnabas could have done here, then people will begin sacrificing to us. And yeah, our ministry can grow quick if we allow people to put us on a pedestal and say, look at us. But if we stay humble, we might not have all the sacrifices given to us. But God will sustain us. God will provide. So let's keep on reading. It says in verse 19, There came thither certain Jews from Antioch, and Iconium, who persuaded the people. And having stoned Paul, they drew him out of the city. Now see these people, these Jews came to this place and they, they persuaded the people to stone Paul. Now, this was, this was Paul's biggest obstacle in all of his ministry, were the Jews. Not because they were Jews, but simply because they were coming against his teaching. They were trying to say, first of all, they might, they might go ahead and admit that Jesus was a great prophet. They would even admit that. They might even go so far as to admit that he may have risen from the dead. Some of them would even admit that. But if you're looking at Galatians when you get home and you can study this out, one of the things that they would come in and teach, after Paul would go in and teach the the message of the cross, the message of the gospel, the message of salvation, these Jews would come in and try to say, yes, you can be saved, but now you have to remain saved by works. Yeah, maybe you could get saved, but in order for you to keep it, you had to say in these works. These works were how you kept your salvation. And so Paul had to tell them, well, now, if you were saved by works, that's one thing, but you weren't. You were saved by faith because works can't save you. Well, if works can't save you, works can't keep you either. And so he had to constantly tell him that because these Jews would come in. And I firmly believe that was Paul's thorn in the flesh With these Jews that would come in behind him and try to tear down the very message that Paul had spent his entire life from the point of his conversion. He spent trying to get people to understand, listen, you don't have to do anything to get saved other than believe and accept Jesus as your Savior. But you don't have to do anything to keep it either. But you should become like it. Now that is one of my messages. If we are saved, let's become like it. But it's not our works that keeps us. Faith keeps us. Faith keeps us. So these Jews came in and stoned Paul. And they drew him out of the city supposing he'd been dead. Now these were Jews. They knew how to stone people. That was one of their great giftings, you might say. They knew how to stone somebody. The way they did it, they would put you on the edge of a hill, push you down, and roll these boulders over on top of you. That's how they did it. So when they did it, they did it good. They didn't just halfway do it. So Paul, you might say, Paul was dead, and supposedly, it says in verse 20, it says, "Howbeit, as the disciples stood around about him, he rose up. Now, I'm not trying to put something in here that's not there, but knowing how Jews stoned people, that they were very good at it. I wouldn't doubt that they were standing around him, and they raised him from the dead. Now, it didn't say that, but they supposed he had been dead. And then he came into the city. Now, here's this man, had his boulders pushed over on the side of a hill on top of him. I'm sure they cut him. I'm sure they bruised him. I'm sure he was bleeding. So here's this man they thought that it had been sown. He walks back into the city just to let him know, hey, God's God. You're not. So then he goes and then he goes to Derby. Now, when they had preached the gospel in that city, he talked about Derby and it taught many, they returned to Lystra and I call him in Antioch. Now listen to verse 22. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Now, if you look up that word tribulation, it's pressure. Now, I believe what God, what's going on in these days right now, we're going through a lot of pressure. I don't know about you, but I've been feeling a lot of pressure. What is the pressure for? Just so that we can say we're going through pressure. No. Turn, if you would, to our other scripture over in First Thessalonians, chapter 3. First Thessalonians, chapter 3. We'll get through this tribulation here in just a second. We'll see what it's for. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now just to give you a little background about what's going on here. Paul is saying that he started this church. He's wanting to know how they're doing. He knows how the Jews are. He knows they're going to come in and try to tear down the very message that he had went in there and delivered to the people. Okay? He knows how they are. So it says in verse 1 of chapter 3, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you. That word establish means to fix you immovably. Okay? To fix you immovably. And to comfort you. That word comfort really means strengthen. To strengthen you concerning your faith that no man should be moved by what? By these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Doesn't that make you want to stand up and shout? (laughs) No, it don't. But it's gospel. It's it's part of the truth. We are appointed to these afflictions. Now look at verse 4. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. Even as it came to pass, and you know... For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent you, Timothy, in other words, I sent to know your faith. I wanted to know if you were still holding on, if you were still pressing into to the kingdom, if you had allowed these tribulations that were coming against you to stop you in your growth in the kingdom of God. He wanted to know. And so he sent Timothy. Is what he's saying again. This is why. I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter having tempted you and our labor be in vain. Now, that little phrase there, our labor being vain, it means the planting in their lives that he had done okay, the labor, the planting. What he had done, he planted a seed in them that he was wanting to see how it was growing. God has planted some things in each one of y'all. And he's wanting to see how is it growing. Are you allowing the afflictions that are coming in your life to stop it? Or are you pressing on in? Are you allowing the things to press you into what he's trying to make? you? How many of you have ever worked in a, in a factory where you made something? Many times, a lot of factories, they'll have mold. Okay, Those chairs, for instance, I'm sure they were made in some kind of a mold, especially plastic chairs, which those aren't, but a plastic chair especially is made in a mold. Okay, They pour this stuff in there, and then they form it. How does it form? Pressure is put there to form it. If you take a piece of clay, you have to put pressure on it to form it. I want you to turn with me to Galatians. God is trying to form something in us. He's trying to form something in you. But it takes pressure. And when that pressure comes, we don't need to say, oh, I better stop. Oh, God, I thought you said it was going to be easy. No, He never said it was going to be easy. Jesus said, if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow Me, it's not going to be easy. You're not even going to see My kingdom if you don't take up your cross. He said you have to endure the afflictions. You have to be willing to endure. Listen, He endured so much for you. He went through agony. He went through immense suffering. It says in Hebrews that how many of you have gone to the point of blood, striving against sin? But He did it for you. He laid His very life down. He laid all the promises of God down. Because listen, the promises of God, He didn't have to die. According to to the covenant that He had through Abraham, He was to be the father of many nations also. So He could have got him a wife, He could have had many children, and He could have took and said, Okay, I'm going to be king of this here place called Israel. And by all rights, he could have. But he laid the promises of God down, even for you and for me. Now, it's one thing to lay your life down, but to even take the promises of God and lay them down and step past those and say, God, I know you gave it to me. You promised me that, but for their sake, I'm going to lay them down. That means a lot to me. I don't know about you, but that means a whole lot. There was another man who did that. A man called Abraham. He had been promised a son. He had been called. God had changed his name. You'll be the father of many nations. God changed his name to Abraham, father of many nations. Promised him a multitude. But when the son came, what did he ask him to do? Sacrifice him. To sacrifice the very thing that God had promised him. Now, can you imagine how hard that must have been? But the scripture says also that Moses, I mean, excuse me, Abraham received him in a vision raised up. So he, he had enough faith to know that God, even if he laid him down on, on that altar, and even if he did kill him, would raise him up. So he didn't allow the afflictions to stop his faith. He didn't allow these afflictions, this pressure to stop it. Now in Galatians, look in chapter 4, and look in verse 19. And if you have a pen and you don't mind underlining your Bible, underline this right here. It says, My little children, whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He's not writing to lost people. He's writing to the church. These are people who are born again. These are people who are already Spirit-filled. They're tongue-talking, walking around, even laying hands on the people and healing them. They're moving in the gifts of the Spirit. But he says, listen, I'm traveling in birth till Christ is formed in you. Not talking to lost people. Talking to Christians. Till Christ be formed in you. How is He formed? By much pressure. By much pressure. It's a necessary evil, you might say. It's not evil, what God's doing. But you can look at it as being evil. Jesus could have looked at the cross as being evil. He could have said, oh no, uh uh-uh, I'm not going there. God wouldn't require that of me. But he didn't. He said, oh yes, Lord, I'll drink this cup that you've given me. Not my will, but yours be done. God may be calling y'all to some things in your life that I don't even know about. I don't know many of you, so obviously I wouldn't know about it. But it's going to require you to deal a lot with yourself, first of all. Because if God's going to do anything, He's going to change you. He's going to change me. If He's going to use us, He's got to change us. What does He want us to do? Listen, Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and ascended for you and for me, but it wasn't just so that God could say, look, I've got me a church down there, In Lebanon, Tennessee. That ain't why he did it. He did it so that he could have a people on this earth that would look and be and act. Who would be actually Jesus Christ on this earth. We are his body. It's time we begin to look like him. Let's begin to look like him. But in order for us to look like Christ, we have to be formed into Christ. If you take a, a, a vessel, you have to form it. You take clay, you form it, mold it. I don't want to get into all of the things that you do, but if you... Well, let's go ahead and go there. A potter takes some clay. Okay? It's just a big lump. It doesn't look like much. He begins to put water on it. The Word is the water. He forms us with the Word. And sometimes this Word hurts. I don't know about y'all, but it hurts me sometimes. But He's forming us. He uses His hands to form... And He'll squeeze us in some places. And those squeezing times hurt. They do hurt. I'm here to tell you, they hurt. I know they hurt. I'm hurting in some areas right now. They hurt. But I know there's a reason. And I see myself, even as Abraham saw Isaac, I see myself raised up out of that place of death. Listen, when God touches you, you die. But when the Spirit moves back on that, He brings life. Okay? No flesh can stand in the presence of God. But God is a life-giving Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's life. There is life. So he takes that clay and he begins to form it and squeeze it and mold it. But then he puts it in the fire. He puts it in the fire. Don't you know that hurts? That's not fun at all. He puts you in the fire. What is the fire? The fire is persecution. The fire is affliction. Let's just look at, at Peter right quickly. I know God's doing some things. But he's going to do more if we will allow him to change us. It's not some exciting thing to be going through the fire. It's not something you want to jump and shout and holler about. But it's a necessary thing because it's only through the fire that he can test and make sure that you're a vessel that is worthy for his glory.
1: I hope you're being blessed by this message today. Um, I just wanted to pause for a minute and tell you that we really are glad that you're listening to Emerging Daily. And we'll get back to the message here in just a second. I just wanted to encourage you to please check out our website, Emergenashville.org. Thank you. If you like good old country cooking, then you're going to love Bale's Little Country Kitchen in Lebanon, right in the heart of Middle Tennessee. Bell's Little Country Kitchen is Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. They have a terrific breakfast and lunch menu, as well as awesome specials throughout the week, like the Friday night all you care to eat, catfish dinner and fixings, and their Saturday morning breakfast bar. And now, they've teamed up with We Deliver to bring their super southern food right to your home or office. You can find out more by going to their website, bellslebanon.com, where you can see their menu and specials and even order delivery. That's BellsLebanon.com. You're going to love Bell's Little Country Kitchen, Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking.
0: I know God's doing some things, but He's going to do more if we will allow Him to change us. It's not some exciting thing to be going through the fire. It's not something you want to jump and shout and holler about but it's a necessary thing because it's only through the fire that He can test and make sure that you're a vessel that is worthy for His glory. Because that's what the vessel is for. It's for His glory. He wants His glory to pour forth from you. He wants to use you to show forth His glory to this earth, to these people around, wherever you go, whatever you do. He wants to use you as a vessel of glory and of honor. Let's look at chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Whereunto you greatly rejoice, now listen to this, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Why? Why? Why are you going through these temptations? Why are you going through this heaviness? He says it in the next verse. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus. Not Jesus appearing up here in the clouds somewhere. It's appearing in you. He's wanting Him to appear in you. When people look at you, they should see Him. You don't have to tell people, I am a Christian. They can look at you and know, this man is seeing Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, at the appearing of Jesus Christ, listen, I I don't know about y'all, but I had been so caught up into getting caught up that I forgot to realize that He had me on this earth for a reason. And so every time I saw the appearing of Jesus, I thought, oh, great, I get to see Him coming down off the cloud. And He's talking about, He's wanting to come in me. He's wanting to come in you. And until that happens, people, we need to quit worrying about Him coming down from the clouds. We need to begin to see Him in you and in me. That's what he's trying to do. His work ain't done. His work is not done, will not be done, until he has a people on this earth who looks like him, acts like him, talks like him, walks like him, does the works of him. That's his purpose. That's the Alpha. That's the Omega. That's the beginning and the end of the plan of God. Jesus was that. Jesus came down here. He moved, acted, he did everything. He did the works of the Father. When they said, What do you see me do? I don't do it on my own. It's the Father in me that does it. He came to show us the Father. Now it's our time to show the people Jesus. Let's show them Jesus. Let's quit talking about Him. Let's show them what He's like. Let's show them how He works. Let's show them what He does. It's time to rise up and be the church. Be Christ. Jesus said that you have prepared me a body. Talking to His Father. He wasn't talking about His physical body. He was talking about us. About you and about me. He's preparing a body for Him. And so the plan of God was to have people on this earth that would look like Him, talk like Him, be like Him. Who would rule like Him. If you remember in Genesis, that's how we started. So let's make man in our image. In the image of God created He them. Okay? That was His plan. That's the beginning. What was the end of His plan? The same thing. That was the beginning. This is the end. Well, if that's so, then it's time that the end of God's plan take place. What is that? The same thing it was from the beginning. To have people on this earth looking like Him. Ruling like Him. And that's an awesome thing to think about. Ruling like Him. But we can't rule these things we see with our eyes until we learn how to rule this thing behind our eyes. We can't rule the things we walk on and the things we encounter in life until we begin to rule this body. And so let's begin to take our thoughts captive. Let's begin to take our emotions and put them down and begin to focus on Jesus. Focus on the Word. Focus on Christ. Because what you see, you become. Whatever you're focused on, you'll be. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that we are as looking in a glass, beholding the glory of the Lord, or change, and that word actually means being changed, into that same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. He's wanting to change us from glory to glory by His Spirit, but it takes the Word, it takes us working together, because He's not just going to simply come in you. He's not just simply going to come in me. We're a corporate people. And in order for His final purposes to be done, He's going to have to use a corporate people. It's not just going to be one big person over in Tulsa, Oklahoma and another one over in New York and another one in Ohio, another one down in Florida, another one up in Canada somewhere and somebody else over in England and somebody up somewhere else, South Africa or where have you. He's going to use His whole body. So wherever you go, you have to be willing to be used by God. But you need to be allowing Him to use His Word in you even now. To take these thoughts, captain to take these attitudes, captain listen, getting up on the wrong side of bed is no excuse for a Christian, and I'm the one' in the world's worst. I can do it i mean i've got uh, a real good friend of mine he's like my uh, mentor, you could say he says I have one of uh, one of a dutyty attitudes that's what he calls it yeah I can come over to his house and I mean he knows how I am, and he can tell even if I've got a smile on my face if i 'm faking or not. He knows me. He knows if I'm faking a smile. He knows if I'm just pretending to be in a good mood. We have control over our moods. We don't have to fake it. We can even take our moods and put them under our feet. We don't have to fake a smile. We can be happy and rejoice in the God of our salvation. We don't have to fake these things. We don't have to be a hypocrite. Listen, a hypocrite is not just somebody who comes to church and goes out in the world and sins. Because listen, all of us have to deal with that. A hypocrite is somebody who pretends to be something they're not. I'm not pretending to be something I'm not when I come in church and then I end up screwing up the rest of the week somehow. Not that I'm trying to screw up, but listen, hey, I've got to deal with flesh just like you do. I know who I am. I know how I am. Paul said he was the chief of sinners. He knew who he was, but he also knew who was in him. And so, but a, a hypocrite is somebody who pretends like they're in a real good mood, happy and rejoicing, when on the inside... They just want to slack, it. or they're just they're pretending like they're like everything's okay when on the inside their heart is breaking, they don't know what's going on they're bewildered they're dealing with some pains in their life that they don't know what's happening, and yet they're trying to hide it because a christian shouldn't be like that let's put on our church face listen let's be real we don't have to come and, and Come to church and, and let's all have a big cry. But sometimes we just need to be real. We need to be real all the time. But sometimes, I mean, as a group, it's necessary to just, hey, I'm dealing with some things here. And let's just lay it down and let the body heal itself. Because we are the body. So let the body work. Let the body minister. Let the body do its thing. If you get a toenail hurting, every, every nerve in your body will minister to that thing. I mean, it will. It'll literally, physically minister to that nerve. Your hands will go down here and rub it. Your eyes may water with tears. You'll hear a ringing in your ear sometimes. I mean, your body will minister to whatever pain, how big or small it is. But yet, the church don't, don't minister to one another. I'm not, I don't, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church in general. The body of Christ does not minister to itself. When somebody screws up, we kick them out and say, listen, don't come back to you. Act right. A minister will fall. The first one's point fingers are the church. Listen, it's time we begin to pray for one another. Lift one another up. And if you see a man of God that does happen to be in a high exalted place, he needs all the much more prayer simply because he needs to not allow people to sacrifice to him as we saw with Paul and Barnabas while ago. But then he also has his own things, his own temptations. And those temptations increase. That pressure increases the more you're used of God. So the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it be tried with fire might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ whom having not seen you love and whom though you now see him not yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory receiving the end of your salvation the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls he's, again he's writing to the church what is the salvation of our soul that's why I'm preaching tonight what is your soul? I don't know if you know, but man is created as a three-part being. He, has a, he is a spirit. He has a soul. Lives in a body. Okay? The salvation of our soul is not talking about us getting saved and going to heaven. That happens when our spirit is born again. The salvation of our soul, I believe, is going to be the message of these days. It's what God is getting ready to pour out on His people to, to thirst and hunger for. It's for the salvation of souls. And what is that? It's for this thing right here to begin to be saved. For my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions to be changed and saved, made like unto Jesus, to take on the mind of Christ. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It's not robbery to be equal with God. God made us that way. We're not God, but God put us here to rule as God. Okay? But then He humbled Himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Are you willing to be obedient to the death of the cross? Don't even think you're willing to be obedient to the death of the cross if you're not willing to be obedient to the death of your attitude. If you're not being willing to be obedient to the death of your thoughts. To, to the point of being willing to, to die to your ambitions. The cross is a mighty, mighty thing. It can be a, a, a much glorious thing until you're on it. Hang in there. So, But Jesus didn't suffer long. Because he knew what he needed to do. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He didn't sit there and try to hold on to his life. He gave it. Willingly. And that's what you need to do. If you're suffering, if you're going through something, tell God, hey, listen. Kill me quick. Kill me quick. Because as long as you keep trying to hold on to the dead area of your life that God's dealing with, the suffering will continue. It may, it may, it may end for a season, but it'll come back. Because if you're his... He's going to keep on until He has you like He wants you. I don't know if you, any of you, I don't have children of my own. I sometimes look at my sister and think I helped raise her, but that's a little bit of pride, I guess, on my part. But I know from watching people with their children that you don't let them alone until you get them like you want them. Okay? God has placed you as a parent over them for a purpose, and that is to raise them up, to look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way. And you're not going to let them alone until you get that. As much as you can until you arrive at that point, you're not going to leave them alone. Even if they're 50 years old, you're going to keep on until you think that they've gotten to where you want them. God's the same way. He might leave you alone for a little while, but He'll come back. He will not leave you alone permanently if you're His. He'll keep at you and keep at you. Maybe not today, but tomorrow. Maybe not this week, but next week. Something will happen that will cause you to think, Oh yeah, God's dealing with me in that area again. And it's time you just begin to say, God, kill me quick. Get it over with. Let it die. Let it die. Just do it, God. Because don't you know, the the resurrection life can't take place until the death happens. He's wanting to raise you up into a high, exalted place in Him. And it cannot happen until the death happens. That has to happen first. Death has to happen before life. The true life of God can come in any area of your life. Because two people can't live in one body. You know, they're always at war. And I don't know about you, there's been two people in here for too long. It's time for me to die and let Christ live. Amen? I know He's doing this in my life. I know He's doing it in the lives of other people. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure He's doing this in your life. He's changing you. He's wanting to change you. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. He's wanting to make us like Him. I'll have you turn to one more Scripture. And we'll begin begin closing with this right here. But in Romans chapter 8, this is probably one of my favorite Scriptures Favorite chapters in all of the Bible, Romans chapter eight, we'll look at two two verses. Romans chapter eight verse seventeen says if children, then heirs. If we're children of God, then we're heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in heaven in us in you and in me. The glory is going to be revealed in us. His glory, His very nature, His very light, the power of God, the life of God, everything that God is, is wanting to shine forth through you. We need to be clear as crystal. That's what the Bible says. Be as clear as crystal. He wants to shine forth in you. Shine forth. A light shining in a dark place. Wherever you go, I'm telling you, there's a dark world out there. Not just because it's not almost 9 o'clock at night. It's dark. And there needs to be light. But listen, light shines best when it's nighttime. You can't even see the stars during the day except for the sun. It's only at night that the little light shines. And all of us are little lights. But when we come together, we're a great big light. We're shining forth the glory of God. And the world will see Christ. They'll know there's a God. They'll know that Jesus is alive. They'll know that the Spirit of God is on this earth only. Through seeing you and seeing me in that way. Only in that way. It says that moreover whom he did predestinate, then he called whom he called, he justified whom he justified, he glorified not often yonder, here. Verse 29 says, Whom he did foreknow, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the first among many." The first among many. Are you one of those men? I'm sure probably everyone here has been born again. If you haven't, we'd like to deal with that and get that finalized. But listen, God is wanting to make you like Jesus. That's His desire. That's His earnest plea for you tonight is to allow Him to fashion, to form, to put pressure on you. He's saying, will you allow me to pressurize your life? Will you allow me to put you in the furnace? Many are called, but few are chosen. The ones who are chosen are the ones who go through the forming, who goes through the pressure. Those who go through the fire, those are chosen because those are the ones that He knows, that potter knows that they can hold Well, he's getting ready to pour in there. And God's getting ready to pour something on you, in you, and through you. The first miracle we see that Jesus did, he took some vessels, he told them to fill them with water. And then when they pulled out from that, it was wine. That's what God is doing in our lives. He's wanting to put his word, the water, in us. And the new wine ain't for us to just run around and holler about. The new wine is for us to pour it into other people's lives, to give them substance and sustenance, to give them life. That's the purpose of the wine. So God is wanting to do His miracle in you that He did that first time. We see it in the book of John. He's wanting to turn the Word into wine in your life. But if you don't have the Word, if you don't have the water in there to begin with, how can He do it? So go home tonight. Spend a little time in the Word. Get up in the morning. Spend a little time. Whenever you have a chance, allow the hunger of God to stir in you. Get in the Word because it will turn into wine as you release it in your life and in the lives of others. It'll be new. It'll be new wine. It'll be good wine.
2: Thanks for listening today, and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com, and please consider donating on our website, EmergeNashville.org, or write to Emerge P.O. Box 3242, Lebanon, Tennessee, 37088.